Hi there, I'm Sheena and this is the Lesbian Review Podcast. This podcast is a spin-off of the popular review site thelesbianreview.com where we review the best books with leading lesbians, bi or queer women. This season is focusing on getting hot and heavy by talking about sex in lesfic. We will be covering a range of topics and chatting to author guests. Today I'm joined by the fantastic author Jenny Frame. Jenny, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome, happy to be here. Today we're talking specifically about your royal romance novel and the series thereafter because you've come up with a really cool invention for that series, an invention called IntelliFlesh. Well, I think it's quite cool anyway. <laughs> I agree. Let's take a step back and let's talk just in broad terms about sex and lesbian and why you think it's important that we explore different ways of having sex in lesbian fiction. Well, for me in my books, I think sex is one of the, the most important parts of the, the stories and the characters. For me, you learn an awful lot more about how the characters relate to each other when they're having sex or making love, because everything's more raw. And I think you can experience the deeper feelings and they'll show more than the words in normal conversations. So that's always been really important to me, sex scenes. And it's always been important from I first started writing to try and represent butch characters in the best way that I could in all their different wonderful ways. I think you've managed to do both of those things 100% because one of the things that I've noticed about your books that really stand out is that your butch characters are never the same. I feel like a lot of butch women in lesbian fiction are portrayed as these kind of quiet, handy women who the stoic silent types but there's no real character beyond that. Mm-hmm. Whereas in your books, every butch woman in your fiction is different from the one next to her. Yeah, I hope that's true. Butch women, to me, are they're a continuum from one side of the scale to the other, from you know very butch and very in touch with their masculinity, which isn't a bad thing. It's not about being a man. But they're just expressing that side of themselves. So, of course, you get a scale of the way butch women are and present themselves. And it's important to show that. And, of course, even within the one character, butch character, they can change and show different parts of themselves when they are with the their partner or who they're falling in love with, which I think is another very important part of writing butches is writing the theme for the particular butch character because I think when you get the correct femme character to match up with them they're able to be themselves and that to me is one of the most loving things you can do with a partner is give them the space to explore themselves so that's an important part of it as well. I love that because that's also extremely evident in your fiction. Tell me, when you start writing a story, do you already have the couple in mind or do you have the butch character in mind and then you have to work out what her femme is going to be? Or what's your writing process around that? The the couple, who they are, first of all, and how they're going to relate to each other, what circumstances are going to bring them together and why in that moment are these two people perfect for each other? And then... I can build their separate characters around that because it's who they're going to be together that's going to make the the story and the wonderful love story, I hope. 
Oh, I love that. And the second part of what you were saying is that sex is a very important part of the love story, the romance that's being told. And that's incredibly evident in your fiction because A, the sex scenes are very particular to that couple and to their journey. And through the sex, character development actually happens. Very often, uh, butch characters will learn that they to sort of come to terms with their dominant selves or they will learn to accept who they are or they will learn to open up and love depending on what story you're telling. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing is that perhaps the butch characters in the past have been with partners who don't like that part of themselves. So when I bring the two characters together, the butch character feels they can be who they were meant to be because of meeting this particular um, partner and that echoes with real life to me you know I've heard that so much in the emails and messages that I get from women who identify as butch and they say that they find it difficult sometimes to express who they are and be who they are in the lesbian community sometimes and when they see characters like mine who are the femmes totally accepting lets them be exactly who they want to be. It's empowering for them and that's what makes me the happiest when I get messages like that. Is this based on your own life experiences? Do you know personally butch women who struggle with this and why is this calling to you this particular style of writing? Yeah, I've had experience with friends um, and I've had friends who fight against who they want to be and then eventually find out no I can be that way and that's really sad to me that you can't be who you want to be. I came to Lesfit quite late when I did I found um, butch characters being written not all the time but in a way that they have a problem because of their masculinity and throughout the book they come to terms with they don't have to be as masculine. I wanted to write stories where they could be, that it wasn't a bad thing and that masculinity wasn't about being a man. You know, whether you're straight or gay, you all have masculine and feminine sides of yourself. So that was really important to me. I wanted to write books where butch women could read and say, well, it's all right to be like that if I want to be, you know, if that's who I am. So hopefully that that will come through. Absolutely. And I think from my experience of reading your works, it absolutely does. I never at any point in any of your books thought wow this this is actually a trans woman for example not that there's anything wrong with trans women I'm putting this out there but we need to be able to tell stories of butch women that are clearly masculine empowered butch women definitely and using the the strap-on the traditional strap-on or or this futuristic intelliflesh I find that it empowers the butch woman to, not all, because obviously not all butch women like to use strap-ons. And, you know, I'm not saying that, but the ones that do in the stories, they kind of feel empowered by that. Not because it's a male thing, but because it's just feels part of who they are and they feel connected to it and making love to their, their partner in that moment. With the futuristic one, it's just that little extra special thing of being able to share in the moment if you know what I mean, with their, their partner and maybe bring an extra little closeness between them. Because that's what it's all about. When I write sex scenes, it's the, the closeness and the love. Absolutely. So for listeners who haven't read A Royal Romance, let's just 
pause here and just explain what we're talking about. So Princess Georgina is ruling the country and she's pretty famous. So she's going out on a night out and she's putting on a disguise as a man. And so her friend brings her uh, IntelliFlesh bindings for her breast to make her look like she's got a flat chest and an IntelliFlesh strap on to give her the right bulge. But IntelliFlesh sort of connects with your nerve endings or body or something somehow so that it feels like an extension of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And in that scene, when Georgina puts that on, it kind of feels like she's given that extra bit of confidence because throughout the story, even though she's royal and she's in the public eye all the time, she's a very, very sort of shy person despite what she has to do publicly and had always been quite sheltered in a way, which you can sometimes be in, in, in a royal world. That scene where she has to go out to the nightclub and she's dressed as the man, she's no longer the royal, She's and she's expressing this male side of herself. And when she puts it on, it's like, it just gives her that little extra confidence. And that's one of the scenes that brings the two characters together, Georgina and, and, and B or her love interest. So I thought it was an interesting way to sort of introduce it because you are, because she's in disguise, she's allowed to to be this different character. And so she's allowed to take that role of this anonymous person and for the first time actually just be in public without everybody fawning all over her. Yeah, that was a fun scene because it was actually inspired from real life. There was a story in the 80s of Princess Diana was taken out to a gay club by Freddie Mercury and they dressed her as a boy with a cap on so that she wouldn't be seen. And I thought that was a great story. I thought I have to try and fit that in because that's just so much fun to think about it. It was just such a, a lovely touch. I actually really like your take on royal families and the importance of them and that kind of thing. So now on to the IntelliFlesh scene. So then later, she actually is she uses it during sex. But what IntelliFlesh allows you to do is feel the sensations so it's like a strap-on, but you can feel everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now, when you were writing this, how difficult was it for you to find the line between a butch woman who just wants to be more connected versus, like, that experience of wanting to be a man? I don't remember really thinking about it as being a man or trying to create a, a line between the two. It just kind of really naturally came to me that way. I don't ever think of it that way. So, you know, I I hope it it isn't written that way. Not that there's anything wrong with um, that side of things. But um, it was just very natural. And I suppose there was an innocence in the way that Georgina was using it. And you were experiencing her sensations, her feelings and her natural reaction to it because she's not had a sexual you know a sexual past before this so everything's very new and she doesn't know what to expect so she can just go with it and likes it I think <laughs> <laughs> definitely it actually was a really amazing thing for me to read because I was like I completely understand that that want to be connected in a different kind of way it's such a funny thing because it's not a black and white thing. 
using strap-ons or even strap-ons like this that you can feel, right, isn't, it isn't about wanting to be a man, it's about the natural sexual connection between bodies. Yeah. And we're just built in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it kind of made sense to me. Yeah. So do you think somebody should go and invent this thing? <laughs> it's funny, since that book came out, I've had so many messages saying that I should copyright and teleflesh the word <laughs> because they were sure it was going to be invented. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. The background in the story to Intellifish being invented was not particularly for the strap-on side of things. It was for the film and television industry so that you could do makeup design and things like that where it was like entirely normal flesh and things like that. For making masks and that comes into it. But of course, when any new invention comes about, there's always people see an opportunity. Ooh, maybe that could work in this industry as well, you know, the sex industry and things like that. So I'm sure something in the future might come about like that. So that's an interesting thing about this series. So it's a, it's because it's a kind of a royal series, you almost feel like it should be historical, but you've actually set it a little bit in the future. So you've got all this technology that doesn't actually exist now. Yeah, a lot of people said to me, I didn't read it for the longest time because I thought it was a historical. And you get that idea, I suppose, by the cover. It's quite traditional. But I think that's the one of the things about the book is that it, it is very traditional, but it just adds in elements of the modern world and the futuristic world because the, the main character, Georgina, the royal, she's very, very, very traditional. Not like you'd expect a modern lesbian woman to be she's so traditional and closeted in her royal world since she was a little girl that she just loves traditional things like horse riding and anything like you could imagine in a regency romance type of way she's kind of like that kind of character but moved into the future and having to exist in this sort of futuristic modern world and so I moved the story a little bit into the future so that I could explore those sides of things and also not have a barrier of the couple being able to have children because obviously that's really important if you're a royal and you're going to get married especially if she was the first lesbian queen going to be in, in Great Britain so they would have to find a way of producing children so that was another reason I had to move it into the future for scientific advances. Which is another amazing thing that this book presents us. I know that lesbians get around the whole biological kids thing in many different ways and that's totally cool but I think one of the things for me at least is the inability to have biological children with my wife is a very sad thing for me yeah so that was pretty awesome it's a very sensitive issue and I totally feel that so it it was really nice that I could at the beginning of the book explain that this wasn't a problem anymore you could be exactly the same as a heterosexual couple so there was no pressure no tension about that especially with her being royal and needing to produce children so that is really nice in stories to be able to make the world the way you want it to be i think that's one of the nicest things about writing thank you for spending your time with tlr We rely on the support of listeners, patrons and advertisers, so please click on our links to buy 
Check out the show notes to find our Patreon link and support our advertisers. You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies, and music reviews on thelesbianreview.com. I'm pretty sure I've said in a couple of reviews that the books you write are kind of like modern fairy tales for us. Mm-hmm. I very much think of writing sort of Mills and Boone or a fairy tale romance or a Regency romance, but hopefully a modern way and with heaps of spice and sex which maybe people wouldn't expect when they read uh, the blurb on the back for the fairy tale aspect of the story they might be surprised oh yeah there's a lot of sexual tension there's a lot of really hot kind of build up there's a lot of wanting and then when the sex happens it's explosive <laughs> yeah i think hopefully that that's one of the things that makes the story slightly different is it's there's some of them, well, most of them, let's face it, are very, very sweet romances, but you get this out of spice as well. I don't think that there's an author out there writing what you write, very honestly. I think you're quite a unique voice in the market, and I appreciate that. Okay, so in this royal romance, there's three books at the moment. Are you planning more? I'm writing one at this very moment called Royal Family, which brings together... George and Beef, the first series, and the royal court that they've built up around themselves. You know, it's become almost like a little community, which I wanted to explore because the royals are so closeted and cut off from the world. It's almost like a little village. You know, the security officers, the staff, you know, it becomes this little community, and I think that's really nice. And because they... They're a gay couple and the first uh, gay couple to be monarchs. It's nice that they can surround themselves with people like themselves and we can experience some of the love stories that crop up because all these women are living and working very closely together. They're kind of like a small town in a way, strangely. You like small town, small community. Oh, yes. I love my little English villages totally. I was brought up on Regency romance and Agatha Christie, village crime, where there is a murder, but that's secondary to the working out who in the village has done it. You know, it's not kind of harsh or anything like that. And I've just always loved that. I love even being Scottish. It's a different world from Scotland as well. So it's kind of fairy tale world for somebody like me, the English village, and I really, really like that. I love the closeness. Everybody knows each other. You know, you can sneeze at one end of the village and at the other end of the village you're dying of pneumonia. I just love that. (laughs) (laughs) And all the different characters that make up the village because it's very eclectic. You know, you've got your landed gentry and then you've got all their doctors, everybody all living in this one little space. It's great for storytelling, I think. What's interesting also about your stuff is you will go, you'll push the boundaries of all of this. So you had the vicar, Bridget, who was into a little bit of like, you know, power play stuff, which is amazing. Yeah. It's funny from the first book in Axdale, I always knew who Bridget was. As soon as I started planning the first book with Harry and Annie, I knew exactly who Bridget was. 
I could see it in my head and I didn't want a vicar who was your normal kind of person. I wanted one with a past to had overcome things and had made a new life, but was, it was still bubbling under the surface. Absolutely. And she found her perfect mate, who's a character that you've never written before or since as well. So this is what I love about your pairings, is they're never a duplicate of another book. Your butch characters range in such amazing ways that if I were a butch woman, I would be worshipping the ground you walk on because you are representing just such a range of people. I hope that anybody that would read that would see that because I absolutely love butch women. I think they're amazing. They're very brave and sometimes they don't get the best representation out there. So... And they, they all come in such wonderful, different kinds of ways of being. And I really want to tell their stories. I love that. I love that so much. Then on the flip side, you go and you also write a series in the Wolfgang County with shifters. Yeah. And that's a whole different thing. Because now we're dealing with the dominant wolf pack hierarchy. And... It's a very much more fantasy elements coming into it. Well, the dominant and submissive wolves is interesting because from the start of that, I wanted to take the words butch and femme out of it. It's, it's a whole community that lives by you're either dominant or submissive. And that could be a man, it could be a woman, you know. It could be, you know, what we would call a straight couple but the woman could be dominant, the man could be submissive. So I wanted to take all those, all of our norms, throw them out and just allow these wolves to run their society as they wanted to be. And they didn't have to have the baggage of our gender norms. They could be who they wanted to be. I really love werewolf fiction. Although I love writing sex and that's parent in the werewolf series, I still wanted that family, closeness, lovingness. You know, other werewolf uh, series are more about the sex and the politics and things like that. But I still wanted to keep that part of who I am as a writer of this sort of small town rather than the small village. It'd be a small town and it's all about families and love and being together and looking after each other, even though they are werewolves. It brings them closer together as a community. When you were writing the sex for these books, because a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times in your series, the couple is not both weirds. They're often a, a werewolf and a human. Mm -hmm. Did you have to sort of factor in how that would play out in a way that could work? As they're in their human form, I don't think I really thought about that. that they were just as normal as normal I would write sex scenes, uh, apart from the fact that they're very, they're animalistic in the way they they feel feelings and they act and if the wolf, werewolf <laughs> person is uh, more dominant, obviously it's going to be a little more intense than it would be if I'm writing a sex scene in Axdale. But I think I still follow the same sort of feelings and patterns that I would normally do. Right. I was just thinking they're stronger, they're more aggressive... And that does come into play in your sex scenes. Yeah. In a way, hopefully, that's, that 
it's never a, it's never an aggression that's going to be hurtful or anything like that. It's something that hopefully it tantalizes the the femme partner that they love that in them, not aggressive in a bad way, but you know that dominance, and the femme again is allowing them to be that way. Apart from in Axdale with my vicar and her partner Finn, which turned it a little bit a little bit upside down. And I love that too. Back to the wares though. I don't think the aggression came across as a bad thing. More like something they had to fight within themselves because they had this overwhelming want for this woman and they didn't quite know how to deal with that. Yeah. Again, I think it's similar to what we were talking about at the beginning with the the butchies and being allowed by their partner to be who they are. It's similar to that. The dominant wolf is fighting against it the whole time, but in the end, when they're with their partner, they encourage them and I like this, I like who you are, I love who you are. And I think that's really similar to the the butch femme dynamic in, in my other books, just more intense. Absolutely. No, I can absolutely see that. Were you influenced by other authors before you started writing? In general, not just the werewolves in general. Oh, absolutely. My two favourite authors were Radcliffe and Ali Valley. When I first read Ali Valley's gangster series, that was like, I finally found someone that wrote Butch and Femme, how I wanted to read it. And I love the way she does that, especially with the gangsters. It gives a framework of Butch Femme that really, really works. So they were the, the two that really inspired me. Uh, the Kane Casey series? Yes. Yes, I think uh, the Kane Casey series was fantastic also because the main Butch character was just so smart. She just like outsmarted everyone. Definitely. That's like uh, giving the Butch character even more power and not power in a bad way, I don't mean that, but she's so confident and so clever. She can just run rings around you. So it wouldn't matter if, you know, a man was bigger, stronger or whatever. It wouldn't matter because she's just 10 steps ahead of you, which is sexy as well, you know, from a femme point of view. (laughs) That's really sexy. Absolutely. Smart women are sexy. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So what's on the horizon for you now? Apart from the book you're busy writing, is there another one you're working on or thinking about? Well, I've just got a new village series come out called The Duchess and the Dreamer, and that's a new village called Rosebrook. It's different from Axdale in quite a few ways, but it still has that small-town village feel, but it's set in a different area in Dorset in England, and I spent a lot of holidays down there because my aunt lived down in Dorset. And what's special about it is that you can turn one way and you can see rolling fields and farms, but you turn the other way and you're right on the coast, like cliffs, sea, fishing villages. So you've got both of those things wrapped up in the one village, which I think gives a lot of opportunities for different characters to come in and out the new village of Rosebrook. So I'm really excited to share that. And there will be another one in that series coming out as well, probably next year sometime. So give us a quick overview. The Duchess and the Dreamer, what's the premise of the story? The Duchess, 
her family was very, very rich and her grandmother lost all of the money that they had. She worked a lot in charity and she gave a lot away and lost money. It was a bit feckless. And so they lost their entire fortune. The family had to move out of the, the grand house. She now lives in the gatehouse. And one day, Evan Fox comes along and buys her family home, her family mansion. Evan Fox is a lovely character. She's so positive. She thinks everything's wonderful. She believes in dreams, whereas the Duchess Clementine, she hasn't got any time for dreams anymore. It's just about living one day to the next, having enough money to buy shopping, to buy food. You know, she doesn't believe in dreamers. She thinks that's what her grandmother was, a dreamer who lost all of their money. Evan Fox is quite wealthy. She runs a family toy business, which is quite successful. But she wants to come to Rosebrook and make it a safe haven for LGBT characters and make a new kind of village in society. So I think, hopefully, uh, readers will like that. That sounds awesome. If people want to connect with you online, where can they do that? I've got a website, uh, jennyframe.com. You can find links to all my books there. And on the Bold Strokes Books website, you'll be able to find me with the links to the website and to Facebook and Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about all the interesting characters and inventions that you've come up with. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. This has been the Lesbian Review Podcast. Find more information on our guests in the show notes, as well as links to what we spoke about on this episode. And if you enjoyed this podcast and want to see us creating more awesome content, then consider becoming a patron. Not only does this mean that we can keep doing what we do, but you will get exclusive content that doesn't appear anywhere else. You can find out all about it on patreon.com slash thelesbianreview. The link is in the show notes. That's all for this episode. Bye!